Welcome back to the Tiny Bites podcast. I'm super excited and nervous to share something new with you this week that I've been working on in my brain for months and have finally turned into a reality. I'm excited to announce that I'm going to start sharing conversations with fellow minimalists, simple living advocates, personal finance bloggers, and more right here on Tiny Bites. This is something I've wanted to do for a while because when you're a blogger, you can feel pretty isolated in your own bubble when what you really want is to just connect with like-minded people to share ideas and challenges. I honestly just wanted to talk to all the awesome humans I've met online over the last two and a half years of blogging and get to pick their brains on a more intimate level. These episodes, of course, will be longer than a normal tiny bite. Anywhere from 30 minutes to a full hour is what I'm aiming for here. They won't be every week. I don't have the production capacity for that yet, but they will be interspersed with my normal Tiny Bites content. Without further ado, on this week's first ever interview Tiny Bite, I'm thrilled to share that I'm talking to Michelle Summerfield, fellow blogger and Canadian behind the Classy Simple Life blog. We're talking all about self-care, which is something that Michelle has written about at length on her blog. I think that self-care is having a bit of a moment right now, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. It's great that people are wanting to learn more about how they can take better care of themselves so they don't burn out from their jobs or so they can be there for their families. The bad side of this is that there are a lot of quote-unquote answers out there on how to do it, especially in the Instagram and Pinterest sphere that are just trying to sell a self-care lifestyle. So in some ways, self-care has become another avenue for people to consume mindlessly. Beyond that, self-care can feel like it's unattainable for people for a variety of reasons. People often feel like they're failing at doing it properly or they don't even know where to get started and it can seem like it's just another thing you have to check off from your to-do list. Michelle and I are diving face first into self-care. Here's our conversation. All right. So thanks so much, Michelle, for sitting down with me today, virtually, of course. Thank you very much, Britt. So for those of you who, you know, maybe don't know Michelle, Michelle, can you give us a bit of a background on yourself and the blog and how you, how it all came to be? For sure. Um, do we, do we want to go right back to the beginning? Cause I've been blogging for about seven years. I've been blogging since 2012. Um, I originally started out in the personal finance community blogging about my debt. Oh, I didn't I didn't know that about you. Yeah. I'm learning things. <laughs> yeah, I have been blogging for quite a while. Yeah. So I was originally under the handle Budget Bloggist. That was my original blog. And I just started to realize the correlation between time and energy and money, you know, all those resources that we have. And I started to realize, well, in order for me to take control of my finances and my debt and my spending problems, because I had, I was one of those emotional impulse shopaholic type people. And I started to realize that by changing your mindsets, becoming more mindful, becoming more self-aware, um, and then bringing happiness into the equation with your money, I started to realize that those had a huge impact on your finances and then i started to follow more of the minimalism blogs uh, like the minimalists um, courtney carver be more with less uh, joshua becker of becoming minimalist and i started reading a lot of that and actually um leo babuda hopefully i said his name right um from zen habits i started following these bloggers in the minimalism and I guess you could say anti-consumerist movement. And I started to realize that 
you need to put more thought into what you bring into your life and that you're not going to find happiness through things. And so what happened was, is 2016, several life things culminated. I was divorced. Um, I had just recently lost my job and it was funny because the, during the last year before I lost my job, I started to have these little epiphanies in my car and sitting in rush hour traffic, I'd be in my car for three to four hours a day and it was brutal and stressful. And I would just, a little voice would just start saying to me, life has to be so much simpler than this. There has to be more to life than this. And then of course the universe intervened and I was laid off from my job. And from there, I just dove headfirst into minimalism. I rebranded my blog in 2016 as the classy simple life. And here we are, I've been part of the minimalist simple living community and I still do blog about money. So I still do talk about that because I think that's an important part. They're, they're a partnership. So that's me in a nutshell now. That's, that's just awesome. I just got goosebumps just listening to you, you know, the little epiphanies you were getting. That's so interesting because when I started blogging, you know, a couple of years ago, I haven't been at it quite as long as you, but I started in minimalism and now I'm sort of circling my way back to personal finance because I've, oh, fi- wow. <laughs> I've finally gotten myself in order enough so I can actually focus on my finances. So it's, it's interesting that I've sort of circled back and done the opposite of what you've yeah. done. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting because, yeah, we're both kind of, you're doing the reverse. We're, we're like reverse orbiting each other. <laughs> um, well, that's awesome. So the the topic that we're talking about today, which if you're listening, you can see it in the title. So you know what it's all about. But we're talking about or we're going to be talking about self-care, which is something that I'm passionate about uh, reading about and learning about and also talking about on my blog. And that's sort of similar to a lot of the pieces I've seen on the classy simple life, Michelle. And so I'm just wondering for, you know, from the get go base level, why is self-care important to you? And why is it also something important for you to share on, on your blog? Cause you could obviously practice self-care and just, you know, leave it, leave it be and never share it with anybody. So I'm, I'm wondering what is it about it that is important for you to share? Um, the important thing about self-care is if you want to up-level your life, I think that's the biggest impact it has on our lives is if you want to make a a big change in your life, if you want to move past divorce, um, if you want to move past job loss, any type of major life transition, taking care of ourselves is a huge part of that. Because when you're in a place of stress and burnout and exhaustion, you kind of, you keep yourself there. And that's where self-care comes in is if you take the time to take care of yourself, whether you create morning routines, evening routines, all of them, and then you do a self-care Sunday like I do, um, it, it just boosts your overall well-being and it keeps you in a place, in a positive, happy place instead of perpetually exhausted and stressed out. So that's why self-care is important to me. And, and why I think it should be important to other people as well, which is why I share it, because I've lived that life. I've lived, I was in corporate for 16 years. I've lived that life of being on constant overload, constant stress, constant burnout. And I know the importance of taking care of yourself, that you have to take that time to take care of yourself, because otherwise your health deteriorates, which is where I was right before I lost my job. My company 
that I was working for, things started to get a lot more stressful. They started to put more projects on us. And I really learned a big lesson that self-care is very important because otherwise you'll just run yourself down and you'll start making poor choices as well. I started noticing that I would make poor food choices. Um, and of course your finances, you would just, your emotions would run you because you're so stressed out and burnt out. So self-care is definitely important for everyone. And that's why that's why I enjoy sharing it with other people. I'm glad that you brought up the corporate part of it because that's that sort of transition for you is what I'm super interested in knowing more about. And so did you practice self-care when you were in the corporate world? What did that look like? A little bit. Not, not really. A lot of the times it would come in waves whenever I found the time because many of my days would be 14-hour days. I'd spend a lot of time in my car. I did start to do that because I, I knew I wanted to up-level my life. So I would actually start doing things um, even on the commute into work. Now, don't panic. I'm not like uh, lighting candles in my car or trying to meditate with my eyes closed in the car. <laughs> but I would do things like I would listen to um, calming music if I was stuck in traffic. So I'd be listening to classical music or something that would keep me calm. I have a few favorite soundtracks from movies that I like that keep me calm and keep me in that calm place. Um, I'd also do affirmations. I would also let myself know that the traffic is out of my control, which it is. Um, That's a really key one. That's really key. (laughs) Yeah. And I would, I would try and visualize as well. Um, just envision where I wanted my life going. It was, I realized that instead of the commute to work being a negative space where I just sit there and complain and let the negative Nancy in my head run wild, I decided to use it as a time to care for myself and to nurture positive thoughts and to surround myself as much as possible. Obviously you're in a car, but to surround myself with positive a positive environment. So the music, or maybe I'd be listening to a personal development podcast. So something that would nurture my mind and my spirit. So that's the type of stuff that I would do in corporate. Most of it was during my, uh, during my commute. And then when I came home, actually, there's another one. When I would come home from work, because I had an outside sales job, uh, I'd be both mentally exhausted and physically exhausted i'd be pretty drained and because of my personality type um, i'm an introvert if anybody knows myers-briggs i am an infj so being face to face in front of people all day is very draining for someone like me it drains my batteries so in order for me to recharge and to practice self-care i need a bit of alone time so it was funny i would come home and i would tell my family um leave me alone for half an hour please like, because they would, they would immediately, as soon as I come in the door, oh, how was your day? How is everything? And I'm like, go away. <laughs> I would literally be like, get away from me. <laughs> because that's the way my personality was. Because unfortunately, the commute home wasn't enough to recharge my batteries because, you know, you're still in traffic. You're still dealing with stuff mentally. I may have to deal with conference calls in the car, things like that. So it really wasn't a time to recharge. Uh, So when I came home, I would always make sure that I took a half an hour to myself before I dove back into emails if I needed to do some administrative work 
or before I talked to anybody. I would literally lock myself in the room for a half an hour or I would uh, go out for a walk in nature. That is another way that uh, I perform self-care. Nature walks are my favorite thing to do. So those are some of the things I did in corporate. That's awesome. Yeah, I I don't call my job corporate, but I guess it technically is. Um, and, and my sort of, it's a very... Um, public facing role that I'm in. So I'm, you know, at events and, you know, taking photos and talking to people and, you know, being, being around lots of different people. And so (laughs) I am also an introvert. I believe the last time I did, did the Myers-Briggs, I'm an INTJ um, for everyone who uh, is still on that. Um, So for me, it's the same sort of thing. Like I would get home and I would just be exhausted, like completely wiped out, like incapable of any kind of conversation (laughs) and so for me I started you know really uh cherishing and sort of making sacred my lunch breaks however long it was and you know sometimes half an hour sometimes an hour whatever it was that I could manage for the day but I would when I could when the weather's good because I live in the north and it's kind of crap here most of the time (laughs) but when it's good I always tried to get outside and even if it's just, you know, a quick loop around our building, like just get outside and, you know, see the sun and see the sky and see all the greenery. And it, it has really made such a massive difference in the way that I feel. So that's always something when people ask me like, oh, what can you what can you do to improve your self-care? Getting outside, even if it's for like five minutes, is so important. Another another big one for me while we're on the <laughs> while we're on the topic is I have a bit of trouble sleeping and by a bit of trouble I mean a lot of trouble so when I I can't just go whenever like if we're watching a tv show I can't just go from that to bed like I need a a, a pretty sig yeah. yes <laughs> I need a pretty significant chunk of time to you know brush my teeth get everything ready like get get myself organized and the biggest a piece of self-care for myself that I've I've really had to work on and not, you know, sloughed it off as, oh, I can do this tomorrow, like I don't need to do it tonight, is I find even if it's just three minutes, I need to meditate because if I don't, I will not sleep. I will lay there for hours. <laughs> you'll be going over your day or you'll thinking about you'll be thinking about what do I need to do tomorrow? Oh my gosh, I used to do that in my 20s, I swear. I drove myself to panic attacks by doing that because it would take me literally two to three hours to fall asleep. And then finally, I started doing things like yoga. Um, I would do yoga in the evening, and I would also do a um, the, the particular app that I use on the Apple TV, the Yoga Studio. Um, that one has like a relaxation, like a mindfulness relaxation. And it's basically where you just lie down in corpse pose for five to 10 minutes and you're just focusing on your breathing. And it just calms my mind so much. Um, It's fantastic. I love it. And another thing I have a tendency to do too, well, I shut off my phone an hour before bed, so no technology, no screens. I do my very best to have no screens. Sometimes there'll be TV. Um, and then usually what I'll do is I'll pick up a book, especially if I find that I don't feel that sleepiness coming on and I might be tossing and turning for an hour, I'll grab a book and start reading a book, but I'll do it actually in my bed so that I have that warm, cozy. And then what I end up finding is that about after an hour of reading, I start to just drift off. Like my eyelids start to get heavy 
and then I'm like, okay, I know, I'm in, I'm ready to sleep mode, and then I can pretty much just turn off my lamp, close the book, and I'm out. So, yeah, that's awesome. And so I'm, I'm just thinking about all of these examples that we've just given of what we personally do for self-care is that none of them are what we see really on Instagram or other social media platforms as, you know, hashtag self-care, which is, you know, the, the meteor topic yeah. that I wanted to talk about today. It just seems like every time you're on Instagram, you're scrolling through and everyone's practicing hashtag self-care and they always have, you know, the fancy scented candles and the bath salts and everything's all light and glowy and cushy and like all those kinds of things. And it just seems to me like self-care has become just another thing to consume. And I just don't think it needs to be that. No, I agree. No, don't get me wrong. I like a nice candle. I don't, I don't mind a candle and, and bath salts, but I've noticed that I've bought the fancy bath salts and then I've bought the bag of Epsom salts for like seven bucks <laughs> and there's no difference. <laughs> so yeah, there's like, there's no, like I've had the, uh, everybody knows them. Everybody knows like the herbivore detox bath salts and things like that. Yeah. They smell a little bit nicer. Um, Honestly, good old Epsom salts works fine for me. I've done the comparison. I've tried both. Maybe that's a blog post for both of us, an experiment in self-care. But um, yeah, it, it doesn't need to cost a huge amount of money because you're absolutely right. Everything that we just mentioned, we're mentioning walks or picking up a book. And when I pick up a book, I get a library book. It's not a book that I've bought necessarily. So, I think that yeah. there's you know this misconception that you need to spend money to do self-care properly. And then I think there's also, you know, the other side of the coin. I was talking to someone on Instagram and she was saying, you know, I will give someone as much money as they want if they'll just give me a pedicure. Cause like, I don't have the time to do it, but I want the pedicure. And so I, I think both are totally valid. Absolutely valid. Like if you don't have, you know, the, the time to do it yourself or the want to do it yourself and doing it yourself really feels like you're just doing more work and you're not actually getting that, you know, relaxing self-care space, then absolutely. But on the other hand, if, you know, if you, if you're feeling that pressure on yourself to spend all this, all of this money before you can even start practicing self-care, I think that's something that you can maybe look at and think, well, maybe I don't actually need all of these things. Yeah, I get it. I agree. And you know, like, everybody loves the little luxuries, you know, like, Hey, if, if I can get a pedicure, that's fantastic without me having to do it. It's wonderful, but it's exactly that for me. It's a luxury, both financially and, you know, in regards to time as well, because you still have to drive there you still have to go sit in the chair. <laughs> so, you know, you're still having your time taken away. It just feels like to me on Instagram, People, you know, people are sharing a lot more selfies of themselves, you know, practicing self-care. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that to your point of, you know, sharing it with people as something that you think is important and something that you're doing. But a lot of it kind of feels like performance to me. Like it feels like they're they're sharing their hashtag self-care for the benefit of other people. And that's not what self-care is about. <laughs> so it just kind of seems, you know, kind of contradictory to me. In Inauthentic trying to show that they care when in actual fact they probably really don't and they probably potentially I hate to say it but they potentially don't even practice it themselves or practice regularly 
Exactly. Yeah. They're practicing it for their Instagram feed, but then not doing it in their actual life, which is where it would do more good. Do you think that, you know, with all of these things and the way that, you know, self-care is being perceived, do you think that it needs a rebrand? Like, are we maybe, you know, calling it the wrong thing or, you know, uh, showcasing different aspects of it in the wrong way to make it seem unattainable for people? So do you think that there's, you know, a different way that we could share self-care or maybe, you know, rebrand it, remarket it to people? I think the word is correct. Like using the term self-care or mindfulness or self-awareness, self-acceptance, these are all important things for our mental well-being. I think it's just people have to stop thinking that they, what we were just talking about, that they need to go and spend a ton of money or that they're supposed to be drinking glasses of wine or they're supposed to be, you know, there's a particular way to do it. You know, like I think, I think the biggest thing is self-awareness, understanding what form of self-care works best for you. Like what actually heals you, not what looks good, but what heals you both mentally and physically. And I guess you could say spiritually as well. Work towards practicing self-care that heals you not robs you of your money and takes away all your time I love that that I think that's just so spot on because this is going to sound silly but my self-care is what I would consider very low-hanging fruit like my ultimate self-care is making my lunch (laughs) the night before I have to go to work it just saves me so much stress and I feel like I've accomplished something you know, things like, you know, making my bed every day, like those like little things like brushing and flossing my teeth. Like those are things that you just need to do to take care of yourself as an adult. But getting them done is just like the ultimate form of self-care for me, because if I don't do them, my, you know, my next morning is way more hectic. Everything's unorganized and I have to run around. Whereas I could care less about, you know, fancy candles or taking a nice relaxing bath. That's just not you know, my version, but that's totally fine. And if, you know, taking that bath and really getting into the relaxation is your version, that's awesome. But it is, as you say, really about figuring out what it is for you so you can really dive into it and dig deep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Like for me, I I even find cooking is a form of meditation for me, like baking. I love baking. I can get completely lost in cooking and baking. So, you know, it's, it's these types of activities. You need to become aware of what brings you fulfillment like for you making making your lunch and knowing that it gives you a stress-free day the next day you don't have to worry that you're gonna have to spend money on lunch you don't have to worry that you potentially might eat something unhealthy for lunch because you haven't made it you know like it's it's just taking take yeah taking the time to care for yourself and prepare and not and taking responsibility i think you use that word that is a huge thing for me it's interesting that people are not willing to take responsibility for their lives anymore. Like I'm, I'm noticing a lot more of that, like people are more willing to spend their energy on playing a victim or saying, Oh, I can't do that. Or self-care is going to cost me too much money or, Oh, I should automatically be able to go out and pay for those manicures and pedicures. And, I guess it's part of the experience generation too, because I know that um, I'm going to use the M word that millennials were coined as being the experience generation, which is also where some of the other tags of entitlement and narcissism has been attached to them, which is unfortunate. 
but um, yeah, it's, I think everything is just getting tied to that millennials want to go out and spend money. So their self-care is all for show. No, I think that's interesting because I think the, the other sort of component of self-care and why it, you know, can get a bad rap and sometimes does in, you know, the more mainstream media is because it does seem narcissistic. Like, oh, you're taking time out to take care of yourself. Like, how dare you? Like, that's awful. You should, you know, be um, being productive at your job or contributing to your community, which are all wonderful things and 100% important. But you can't do those if you're burnt out all the time and stressed. And you're, if your personal life is, if you are falling apart inside, like you're not going to be able to do any of those other things. So it kind of, it always strikes me as interesting. So, because there's kind of two sides to this coin is that self-care does seem narcissistic, like the kinds that you see on Instagram and people, you know, performing their self-care for others. But then the other side of it is, it was not actually narcissistic to take care of yourself. It's not. It's it's just not. <laughs> well, and you could even you could even go back further. Like if we look at the generations. So if we look at I'm a Gen Xer, and then if we look at my parents' generation, who are the Boomers, they worked themselves to the bone. They were part of, I guess, what you could call. If you want to use a phrase, a, a newer phrase for it, what Gary Vaynerchuk calls the hustle generation or hustling um boomers did a lot of that and i think part of the issue is that boomers look at millennials as being narcissistic and entitled because they do want to take more time for themselves and boomers never knew that boomers were like i always got the stories from my father i had to pay 11 percent interest on my on my mortgage kids nowadays don't know that and I had to work so many years to get this and this and this. I had to work my way. It was all work, work, work. Like the term was always work. And I think that boomers didn't necessarily embrace taking care of themselves because they were working so hard and they were just continually working. Whereas now, I guess it's because we have more options for employment now too, because we can work online, we can work from home. So we do have a choice now to take care of ourselves. So it's generationally, it's, it's really different. Absolutely. I was, I was going to say, I think it's, they just, you know, never even saw it as an option. Like it wasn't even something that even crossed their minds. Like, oh, well, I'm going to take care of myself. No, I'll take care of myself in 30, 40 years when I retire. Like that's when I'll take care of myself. But for now it's exactly. just p plowing through and working hard and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's, I mean, I think we know now, I think the science is pretty conclusive on that. It's not sustainable by any stretch of the imagination. Quite true. Yes. And which is part of the reason why I mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk, part of the reason why I do not like his hustle mentality. Um, not everybody can wake up at five o'clock in the morning and then stay up until midnight working. Not everybody can do that. And it's funny because I usually follow Gary Vaynerchuk's um, postings and videos on Instagram and I've noticed that he's even starting to change his tune. I think he's had a lot of people telling him, well look, I need my eight hours of sleep otherwise I'm useless and I'm one of those people that if I don't get seven to eight hours of sleep I'm useless. If you want me to do anything creative, give you any great ideas, I'm going to be useless if I don't get enough sleep just the way I am it's the way I'm I'm made I guess genetically and 
the hustle mentality doesn't work for me. So of course, if I want to outpace someone else, for me, it's work smarter, not harder. And I, I think that's where millennials, which is, I am put my hand up. I'm a millennial. <laughs> um, I think that's sort of where my generation, especially with all the, you know, the tech focused industries that were, you know, didn't exist 10 years ago are now what a lot of millennials are working in. And I think that that is, has helped to foster that, you know, work smarter, not harder because we can now that it's, it's an option for us and it wasn't before. So why wouldn't we take advantage of that? Why wouldn't we use it in every way that we can? Yeah, because you have so much more choice of tools, like even even when I was coming up in the workforce, it was like I was there basically for pretty pretty close to the birth of the internet. That's when it pretty much started taking off when I was in college. And then I've seen almost every iteration of computer and the tools now compared to what was available, like let's say when I was in college, they're just like so much better. Like you've got your slack communities you've got asana and trello and there's like so many productivity tools productivity apps there's so much at our disposal now um it's both a good thing and a bad thing because then it can lead to um decision fatigue because you're trying to figure out okay what works for me and you can lose your mind trying to figure that out between all the apps but you're absolutely right there's so many more things to help us be more productive with our time Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, there's still kind of that mentality, especially in the corporate world where it's like, you have to be at your desk eight hours a day doing your job where it's like, well, what if I'm really efficient and I get everything done that I need to get done? Like, because I've, I've used all of these tools, like, what does that mean? Like, I'm not just going to sit here and waste everyone's time. I've, I've always struggled with that sort of mentality. So hustle, the word hustle for me is a four letter, letter word. And that's a topic for another podcast. But I really, I really struggle with it. I really do. Because I just don't see the value. I really don't. And that's going to make a lot of people angry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, hey, I'm right there with you. So they can be angry at me too. Because I don't believe in this whole hustle hard thing. I do believe in working hard, but not to the hustle extreme. Because that's that's a whole new extreme because if you look, like I said, I, I keep using Gary Vaynerchuk as an example because I've watched him come up through from his wine library days to where he is now. And it's just like, I just say to myself, the amount of content he pushes out, the amount of stuff he does. Yeah, he's great. He's at the top. But how is he feeling? I hope he's feeling good. I know he works out a lot, but, you know, sometimes he looks a little haggard. I feel sorry for the guy, but... You know, you take a look at him and he looks like he's completely worn out. Of course, he's doing what he loves, which is great, but I can't survive on like four hours of sleep, you know. No, I don't I don't know many people who could sustain that. <laughs> not for a long period of time. No, like for me, long term, that would not be sustainable at all. I'd probably last two days. <laughs> so it's, it, you know, as a blogger and you'll you'll know this, too, there as you're saying about Gary Vaynerchuk's, um, you know, content schedule and pushing everything out as a blogger, there is that, you know, immense pressure to always have new content like every week or multiple times a week. And it really got to me last this past uh, winter. I struggled a lot with seasonal affective disorder or seasonal affective depression, whatever you want to call it. I just hit an absolute mental wall and I just could not keep producing at the rate that I was. And so I kind of, 
I really scaled back. I sort of fell off the face of the earth for a little bit, but I, I just had to, like, I couldn't, I couldn't keep pushing through it. And I took a massive break from Tiny Bites and I'm super excited to be back, but it just, I just couldn't do it anymore. I just really couldn't. And I couldn't keep faking it anymore. I couldn't keep faking my content. That's not fair to, you know, my readers. That's not fair to me. And so I'm, I'm wondering if you have any experience with that or if you've ever felt that in your blog life. Absolutely. 110%. Yes. Um, creativity is a well that we draw from and it is a well that needs to be replenished. And if we don't replenish it, then that's when you start getting that forced content or you're just, then you start falling into the trap of what's everybody else doing? I'll just be lazy and do that. Um, I have caught myself doing that and I don't like it because I am... I'm driven by values like honesty, integrity, authenticity. These things drive me. And I feel that I'm doing a great disservice to my audience if I just put garbage out there. Because they want, people want something meaningful. Our readers, our audience, they want something meaningful. They want something that they can relate to, something that helps them, makes them. And, and this is part of my mission is making women feel less alone and empowering them to make great decisions in their lives and achieve the success that they know that they can deep down, but they're like, where do I start? Um, but yeah, creativity is definitely a well that needs to be recharged and replenished. And I've had to take time off before. Actually, it's funny because I didn't post this week. Normally I post once a week. And I just wasn't feeling it. And sometimes I have a hard time because you'll hear about these bloggers that say, oh, I've got my posts planned out four months in advance. Well, okay. Some of us can do that. Some of us can't. Um, Those people are unicorns and right? I don't understand their magical powers. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've tried. Uh, the most I can get is about three weeks out, and that's about as far as I can get at any one time. But, you know, I'm, I guess you could say I'm juggling a lot, and I'm also healing from a lot of things. Like, the past few years for me have been really exhausting, and I actually started going to a naturopath last year. That was part of my self-care and trying to up-level my life and bring my life back into alignment. My word of the year is alignment for uh, 2019. And I realized that, it, well, actually the naturopath gave me validation that she's like, yeah, you're burnt out, you're exhausted, you're stressed. You need to like slow down. Because I literally told her everything that happened from my job loss in 2015 up until, when did I see her last? Last November. And she just looked at me and went, yeah, you're exhausted. So part of her recommendation was, let's bring you back into not being exhausted, into thriving mode. And so it basically looked like completely revamping my diet. So that is actually part of my self-care routine as well. Seeing a naturopath as well as going to massage therapy. It is not an indulgence like some... Some of your audience may think, oh, wait, massage, that's an indulgence, isn't it? She's gone to a big fancy spa and she's getting a massage by some fancy masseuse. Um, not the case. I go to a natural health clinic 
and I have a massage therapist give me a massage, and it is also to take care of injuries from a car accident I had uh, several years ago. So it's just me doing my due diligence and taking responsibility for my health and well-being. It's again going back to that awareness and responsibility for your health thing. And um, yeah, it is wonderful. It works wonders. I leave there feeling like jello. <laughs> I've uh, I've been uh, not recently, but the last couple of years, I had seen a massage therapist very regularly for you know similar you know injuries that I've been dealing with in you know chronic. Uh, pain in uh, certain limbs and that kind of stuff. And let me tell you, it is not relaxing. <laughs> not when it's happening to you. Afterwards, yes. But in, yeah. in the interim, it's like people pushing and pro- poking and prodding and it's it's hard work on your body. It really is. It, it is, um, yeah. 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 For, so when I told people, I put out a call for questions about self-care and the most common one I got, including from my mom, hi mom, if you're listening, um, was how how do you do it? Like we're talking about, you know, people taking responsibility for their for their lives and for their health. And so, what would you say to someone who's really struggling with that? Like, just cannot seem to make it happen and can't seem to make it a regular routine. Do you have, you know, any tips or ideas on how people can sort of get into that mindset for themselves? I think my first bit of advice would be to start small. Like, don't start Googling every type of self-care and trying to do it all at once. Um, And choose something that you're going to enjoy. Even if it's just going for a 10-minute walk on your lunch break or first thing in the morning, then do that. Even if it's just making your bed in the morning. If that leaves you feeling refreshed and successful when you come home, then that's fantastic. Um, Another tip I have is if you happen to be the journaling type, I recently got into bullet journaling and I have a habit tracker and exercise and hydration are a few of the things I track in there. Um, But you could always do a self-care tracker in a bullet journal and it does not have to look pretty. This is one thing I told myself. I think, I think, There's yet another piece of advice is setting the right expectations for yourself, telling yourself that it doesn't have to look like what you see on Instagram. It doesn't have to look like Pinterest. It's just whatever works for you. Just tell yourself, you know, I want to change my life. I want to feel better. If that's what you're after, if you're wanting to feel better and having more energy just tell yourself these things, um, reinforce it in your mind that you're doing it for you. That actually, that's a line from the movie Eat, Pray, Love. Uh, There's a moment in that movie that I really love, and I think it makes a good point here, where she's standing looking at a shop window, and there's a beautiful nightgown or negligee, whatever you want to call it, in the window. And her friend is there with her, and she says, well, who am I going to buy it for? And her friend says, for you, Liz. Buy it for you, Liz. And then so she goes back the next day, and she buys it for herself. That has been a lot of my mantra. Every time I've up-leveled my life, I have said to myself, 
do it for you, Michelle. Do it for your health. Don't do it for anybody else. Don't do it for the blog. Don't do it for Instagram. Do it for you. Like whenever I've lost weight, exercised, anything, gotten healthy, that's a huge mantra. Do it for you. Absolutely. And I think that's, I was going to chime in if you didn't touch on that, but I I think that so much of self-care and the stopping point for me that stopped me from being able to do it for the longest of the longest time was getting to the mindset that I actually am worth doing it. And it was, it was a real self-esteem thing for me to say, no, you know what? You deserve to take better care of yourself and you deserve to make yourself a priority. Even if it's literally that three minute body scan meditation that you do shout out to 10% happier app, not, not spawn, but I love them. Um, even if it's just, you know, that three minute meditation before bed like you deserve to do that because you know that it will make you feel better so you you absolutely have a right to say no you know what we're gonna stop watching tv at 10 o'clock tonight and we're gonna get ready for bed and i'm gonna meditate like you deserve you deserve that so if if that's your stopping point right now if you're out there listening to this and you're really struggling and you don't know how to get yourself to that self-care point i am giving you permission to do it because you are absolutely worth it and you deserve it and that was that's the most massive change and has made the most massive difference to my life is getting to that point where I realized, no, I'm actually, this is, I'm worth doing this. And it, it has made such a, such a difference. Yes. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and I think it's, women are more prone to it. And surprisingly, it's actually attached to our introverted personalities as well, that we have a tendency to put ourselves last and give to others more. I want to shout that part to my mom specifically. So mom, if you're listening, (laughs) take note of that particular piece. Absolutely. Yeah. Circling. So you were obviously, you were in the corporate world for a long time and we've sort of touched on it, but I'm wondering how your self-care has changed going into, you know, the more part-time freelance blogger life. Like has your self-care changed dramatically or is it, you know, sort of roughly the same or what does that look like now for you? Um, I'd have to say that I probably take a lot more time now for myself. I do prioritize it a lot more because I realize that um, starting a business and doing an online business when you're like a one person show, it takes a lot of energy because you're doing all the things. You're doing marketing, finance, accounting, business development, sales, you're, you're, you do everything. So you really need to make sure that you take care of yourself even more so because it's not like you're the one, you're the one that generates the income. It's not like you've got like this big corporate business behind you that, you know, you don't have that security and stability. Those are the words I'm looking for. You don't have the security and stability of a corporate job. So you have to create it yourself. And in order to do that, you have to make sure that you guard your health and well-being. Um, big time because otherwise if you get drained and you're out of the game for a few weeks that could mean a few projects lost that could mean a few thousand dollars in revenue lost Um, yeah so it's it is hugely important now for me more than ever Um, I would say though that looking back on my corporate career that it probably would have been a good idea to prioritize it a bit more than I did because working in corporate is still it's very stressful because 
you do have a lot of the times you have a manager barking orders at you or barking new projects at you and and then if you're commuting depending on what your commute looks like you could have the stress of a commute you've got you're sitting at a desk all day it's not like when you work from home where you can get up and walk around all the time well not all the time but uh you can walk around a little bit more than when you have a desk job, depending on if you're chained to a phone or not. For 11 years, I was chained to a phone. So, yeah, it's um, it's something that I definitely should have made more of a priority when in, corp in my corporate career. But, um, again, I think it goes back to that times are changing. And with the new generations, there's more of a focus on self-care than there has been ever before. Because even when I started out in the corporate world, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't something that people did. I, I was wondering if, if when you were in your corporate job, if there was any kind of, you know, wellness, anything that your your corporation had for employees. No. No, not really. Not, not that I can remember. And we didn't even really have benefits for like massage and naturopath and things like that. When I first started out, really hadn't fully come mainstream. So even though I had a benefits package, a lot of it was really basic when I first started. Like it was just your health and dental and vision. And the only time that you really had the physio or something like that was if you had a car accident. It wasn't like all of the, um, because I know now through my part-time job, I get benefits and they actually offer um, like a, a mental wellness hotline, which is fantastic. I'm glad to see these types of things now, but I really don't remember any of that when I first started in corporate. Like that, that is all probably, I don't know, I'd say the last five to 10 years, maybe 10, closer to 10 years that that has finally come around. Yeah, I definitely think it's, you know, a new, a new thing. And I don't know how much of that is because employees are demanding it or because, you know, society is recognizing that we can't continue being productive at, at whatever pace we're being productive at if we don't take that time or have those resources available to us. So I don't know if it's, you know, chicken and egg situation, but I'm definitely glad that it's out there for people to access. Oh, and we're having a visit from my cat Maggie right now. Hi, Maggie. I was wondering if my cat would come visit, but she does not care at all. <laughs> mine's, mine's meowing. I don't know whether you can hear her or not, but Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just heard a little one. <laughs> yeah. So she might join in the conversation as well. That's fine. My cat is currently napping on the couch, not caring about anything. Oh, totally indulging in self-care. And while Maggie loves self-care herself, she loves being brushed. She loves all the treats. <laughs> the pets, yeah. pets are great at self-care. We really, that's the baseline. That's the moral of this episode. Just follow your cats and your dogs. <laughs> You know, that would probably be pretty good for all of us because, yeah, they take naps. Yeah, they should be the leaders of the self-care movement. They take naps. They enjoy nature because they nap in the sun. They bird watch. So I guess that would be meditation or mindfulness, maybe being present. Oh, my gosh. Did we just stumble upon the secret of life? <laughs> Cats yeah, right? are self-care gurus. <laughs> well, and you know what? That, that's probably another part of self-care, too, is that pets are wonderful for, you know, stress relief. Because honestly, if you ever want a really good laugh or, <laughs> or you know, you just like, they. it's funny how they know when you're kind of feeling a little bit down. 
and they'll just come over and want to sit on you until you feel better. Yeah, like I will make this happen. <laughs> yeah, like you get the perfect cat cuddle with all the purring, and it's like I'm gonna make you feel better now. <laughs> I love that. That's total. I mean, that's totally true. Um, my last question for you, because I think we, you know, as you know, bloggers or readers of blogs, we kind of get into our own little circles and it's hard sometimes to find outside voices or find someone new to read. So my last question is whose content are you loving right now that you want to share with us? Oh my goodness. Yes. I don't think it is. Um, I think it's more books that I do love blogs. But I think it's more books that I would have to go to. Is that okay? Is that an option? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know some of his books have been recently republished in smaller little chunk manuals. But John Kabat-Zinn, if I'm pronouncing his name right, he is fantastic. He's one of the first books right up there with Marianne Williamson. She's fantastic as well. Um, but I read his book, Wherever You Go, There You Are. And that is about mindfulness. And oh my goodness, if you really want to start thinking differently and taking yourself seriously and becoming more aware, that is a fantastic book. And then actually, I just remembered, if we are looking for someone in the online world, she's been around for a bit, but Danielle Laporte, I really love a lot of what she does. What she's just She's awesome for everything, for loving yourself, for spirituality, and for starting an authentic business. Like, if if anybody happened to know her name, they probably would have known the Firestarter Sessions. But the Firestarter Sessions book is amazing if you're trying to start a business of your own. It's fantastic. It's full of questions and prompts to get you thinking about how you really want to represent with your business it's fantastic that's awesome love that love those suggestions so as we wrap up here I guess my my final final question is if people want to you know read more about your work or learn more about you where can they find you on the internet they can find me at my blog which is the classy simple life.com and I'm also very much on Instagram, and my handle there is actually part of my name. It is Mish, so M-I-C-H, Summerfield. My very long yet beautiful name, as everybody tells me. <laughs> it is a beautiful name. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us today and joining me today. This has been a really interesting conversation, so I hope everyone listening, you enjoyed it as well. Um, yeah, so thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Britt. It was fantastic. I love talking about this. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to this first ever Tiny Bite interview. I hope you enjoyed it. I think Michelle and I covered a ton of ground in the episode, which I think is fairly obvious. What strikes me most is that self-care really can look like anything you want, whether that's, you know, my version of making my lunch every night before I go to bed or Michelle's version of reading a good book or going for a walk in nature. It really can be whatever you want after an hour. I think that's more than enough for this week's episode of Tiny Bites. I'd love to know what your self-care practice is like, so feel free to email me at tinyambitionsblog at gmail.com or you can comment over on the blog. Finally, since I'm still new to the whole interview game, I'd love to know if there's anyone out there that you want me to interview. I'm open to any and all suggestions. Until next time, I hope you enjoyed this not-so-tiny bite. Mm -hmm.